You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. To put together a, a book, and I think all of us have been blessed in our Christian walk through uh, different writings that different ones have done, and it's just a uh, great to have you do that. Great gift, but also a great blessing uh, to the rest of the body. Well, Pentecost Sunday, and uh, I grew up in a good Bible-based evangelical church, but I never ever spoke about the Holy Spirit, never spoke about a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and uh, for me, it was a life-changing experience, and I really want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized, never been um, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, you need to be. It is part of your Christian experience. Don't go through without it. And uh, as Pastor Steve said, uh, there is a helper, an encourager, uh, but not just a helper in the sense that he is the supernatural power of God. And uh, you need to have that power at work in your life to achieve anything of a significance in the spiritual realm. Encourage you to do that. Well, today uh, we're continuing our series on culture shifts. And I've entitled today, When Culture Shifts, God doesn't. See, we live in a day where values are changing rapidly. A nation that was once built, New Zealand was once built, uh, very much on Christian values. Uh, these values today, you find that they're often despised, rejected by people. What do you do when culture shifts? More importantly, when culture shifts, will you shift with it? And I want to suggest to you today that when culture shifts, God doesn't. We, we're going to uh, find that uh, uh, so often we change with culture. We find uh, today that uh, even churches, we, uh, we look at stuff and say, well, God didn't really mean that. And uh, maybe that was okay for that generation, but not God doesn't, didn't really mean that for our generation. And God doesn't really understand the culture in which we are living. You know, I'm 74 now, and I've lived long enough to see many cultural shifts and things like modesty or relationships or lack of respect of authority, like police or teachers. And I mean, we were younger. You never, ever spoke disrespectfully to uh, someone who was in a position or an older person position of authority, uh, things like what's shown on TV or movies, there have been many shifts, and, and they're not all bad, but some are contrary to uh, the Word of God. In church, we say this, we say, the methods change, but the message doesn't. The message is the same for generation, for generation, for generation. The methods are different, and the way Pastor Stephen Beck's do church is different than the way I did church many uh, centuries ago. You know, it's just different. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's better or anything like that. I'm just saying it's just different. And uh, I grew up in a church where the organ was on one side and the piano was on the other side and never the twain shall meet. And uh, <laughs> drums, drums were of the devil. Uh, some may still feel that. I don't know, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the methods change, but the message stays the, the same through generations. And uh, we were talking at the lead pastor's meeting a couple of weeks back and Pastor Mike from our city campus, and, and he was sharing how uh, one of the young leaders in the church uh, said to him, he said, your generation didn't believe in sex before marriage, but I'm okay with that. And he said, like, he was shocked initially. He didn't really know, like, haven't you ever read the Bible? You know there is a Bible. You've you never read that, you know. It's like, what are you doing in church? And, uh, but, you know, if you want to make a difference, you just can't live in the pack. Things that once bothered uh, others no longer bother us, but uh, we need to ask, does it bother God? And maybe we've just hardened up to things that we perhaps shouldn't have hardened up to. 
And my job's not to tell you what you should do or what you shouldn't do or anything like that. My, my job and Pastor Stephen Beck's job, our role is to open you up to God, to encourage you to follow after God, encourage you to follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit. And He will lead you. He will convict you. He will tell you right from wrong, the Scriptures say. See, my, my job, if, if we encourage you to follow after God, if you get that priority right, seek ye first the kingdom of God, then we find that all these other things seem to fall into place, don't they? The Bible says all these other things will be added to you. And so I'm not saying that all the restrictions maybe we experienced in the past uh, uh, were right. Some were just legalism, just a narrow interpretation of what the Bible says. And, and there can be a great danger in that because legalism uh, can present a wrong image of God. And so someone that is not a Christian, somebody looks at the church and they think, well, if God is like that, I don't want to have anything, anything to do with him. But the Bible says that God sits in the heavens and laughs. You know, God gave to us a sense of humor. I, I, I kind of think, you know, that church should be fun. It, it, it's a sin to take the greatest message in the world and to make it boring. And uh, I, I don't like religion, but that doesn't mean that just anything goes. So, so I grew up in a culture where Sunday was the Lord's Day. And we didn't do anything on, on Sunday except go to church. That was it. No shopping. Most of the shops were not open anyway. And the dairies that were, even if you went there, you were frowned upon often. And there was no football. Uh, there was just rest. And we didn't uh, allow alcohol. Dancing was of the devil. Uh, Billiard saloons were deans of iniquity. Uh, I can remember one of the elders saying to us, you know, if Jesus came back, he wouldn't want to find you in a billiard saloon. I kind of think Jesus would probably enjoy a game of billiards, you know. I, guess, I think he probably had the wrong concept there of him. I was not allowed to play football on Sundays, and I, I was quite good at rugby league when I, was, when I was younger, but I could only make the Auckland rep teams when the trials were not on a Sunday because my father wouldn't let me play football on a Sunday. And the selector would say to me, you're in the team, I'll select you in the team, but you have to come to the trials. I can't put you in the rep team if you don't come to the trials. Now, I believe in having a day of rest. Uh, I believe in coming to church. I, I think we should give God the first fruits. Uh, what I like about church on a Sunday morning is it's the first day of the week. We come to church. We give God the first. We give God the first of our income. We give Him the first of our life, the first of everything. And, uh, but I, I don't believe now that uh, Sunday is the Sabbath, a holy day. I believe the Bible teaches in the New Testament the Sabbath is a place of rest. It's coming to a place of resting in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I do believe that we should set time aside for God. But there are other things, you know, I may maybe not look on Sunday as being a holy day because I believe that every day is the Lord's day. Uh, but there are other things that uh, I would not violate that I think are very clear in the Word of God. Later on when I got older, I did play football on Sunday and got into the rep team, so yeah, my dad was, got a bit softer maybe, I don't know, when we got older. Uh, I resented it at the time. But I don't really resent those restrictions now because it, it, it makes you cautious. When you see changes in culture, it makes you just cautious. You know, is this something, you know, is this something that is consistent with the Word of God? Is this something consistent? You know, we live in a, a you know, a, a culture that was godly that is rapidly changing to be an ungodly culture. We live in a society where really godly culture is slipping away rapidly. And Daniel was faced with the very same thing. 
He lived around about 600 BC as a period where Nebuchadnezzar, uh, in time of uh, modern-day Iraq, and uh, they had captured them. God had repeatedly warned Israel that if they sinned, if they turned their back on him, uh, they would be taken captive, which is what happened. They were taken captive. Uh, they were put into what we call exile. They were taken into exile. And uh, those that didn't die in, die in the war, they were taken into exile. And Daniel was one of those that was taken. And we find there's a constant conflict between uh, Daniel and his godly culture and the Babylonian culture. These were godly guys trying to obey God in a secular society. And basically the laws of the land were asking them to live in a different way than what they felt God was telling them. We live in something very similar to that today. And so let's read in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put, the treasures, uh, put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, shown aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were into the king's service. Among these were some of uh, Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, there's Daniel and the other three, remember these are the guys that got thrown into the fiery furnace uh, a little bit later. Let me just bring out of here three things that culture will try to do to you if you will let it. One is it will try to rename you. Culture will try to rename you. Look at this, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 7. says, the chief official gave to them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. See, the first goal of culture is that we'll, we'll try to rename you. It will try and change the identity that God has given to you uh, to identity that the world wants you to be. It is a direct assault on the God-given destiny that is over your life. God has got a plan and a destiny for you that the devil wants to stomp on and not see it realized uh, in your life. So all four of these men, they had names that were linked, they, had, they were connected to their faith in God. And so we find that the four Babylonians, they wanted them to forget about their God, and so they tried to get them to take on the names of Babylonian gods. And so you see that Daniel's Hebrew name, name means that God is my judge. God is my judge. I answer to God and to God alone. I don't answer to anyone else. I answer to God. He is God Almighty. So they renamed him Belshazzar, which means Bel. Bel protects his life. Not, not Almighty God, but one of their gods, Bel, protects his life. And we find that there's also a feminine side to this God, Bel. One of the attacks that we see today is on your gender. Gender confusion is uh, we see in uh, the news today. I read in the United States, uh, just in the, on Mother's Day there, they tried to change Mother's Day into Happy Birthing Person Day. Doesn't grab, does it, eh? Hey, Happy Birthing Person Day. No, it didn't, it didn't really take off. Uh, I didn't go. See, today it doesn't matter what gender you were created to be. It is what you decide to be. You, know, you, you can be whatever gender you want to be. And so we have men saying that they are women, 
And uh, who's to argue with them? So now they are competing. And you see this overseas uh, so often, even here in New Zealand, where they are competing, men competing as women in women's events. And overseas, we find in some of the races and stuff, decimating some of the records. And, uh, you know, don't listen to what the world labels you to be. Listen to God. See, Daniel means God is my judge. Let God decide your destiny for you. God is your judge. And then these three guys that got thrown into the fiery furnace, one of them, uh, his Hebrew name was Hananiah. Yahweh has been gracious. What a great God I serve. What a good God. He, he is a gracious God. He is a good God that I serve. They said, no, you need to have a Babylonian name. And so they called him Shadrach, meaning I am fearful of God. He's not a good God. He's, he's like mad at you. You need to be fearful of God. You need to be afraid of him. He's not, he's not a good God. See, the world says you don't want to serve God. Man, he's, he's bad. You know, he's going to restrict you. He's going, he's going to make your life boring. And if, if you become a Christian, you're going to turn out weird. And you, you're going to turn out like Steve. You know, like God is not for you, you know. <clears throat> I look at all the bad things that are happening in the world and, and you read your Bible and it's just full of thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You know, that God's not a good God. God's a restrictive God. You know, he, you need to be fearful of him. The other one was Mishael. His name was Mishael. Like, who is like our God? The inference is there's nobody like our God. God is awesome. He's an amazing there's nobody that compares, nothing that compares to our God. So they changed his name to Meshach. I am despised, contempted, contemptible, humiliated. They try, like it's like a false humility that, that, that they're trying to put on, an unhealthy false humility. See, culture says that you Christians, you need to keep silent. You know, don't voice your opinions. Christians, stay out of politics. You know, we don't want to hear your voice in politics. We don't want to hear you. Keep your opinions to yourself. You know, we don't want to hear what the, what the Bible says, what Christians say. Keep your opinions to yourself. Look, I'm sorry, but I live in this life today. My opinions are just as valid as the next person's opinions. You may not agree with them, but, the, you know, my opinions are just as valid as any other group in, in society. So now we have a government that is uh, introducing hate speech laws. See, what they want to do is they want to shut down dissenting voices and take away our freedom of speech. They don't want us to call wrong, wrong. We're now trying to say that it is right. right. See, we have footballers today that, that uh, they'll get banned, banned for life from playing football because they quote the Bible. But if you get drunk, if you beat up your wife, I read the other day where a footballer, one of the players had kicked another player in the head twice. I said, oh, terrible thing. He'll get at least four weeks, banned for at least four weeks. But if you quote the Bible, that offends me. Yeah, you're banned for life. If you quote the Bible, you're, you're banned for life, you know. They, they, they won't stop with footballers. They, they, they want to control any speech that they do not agree with. Today we have what they call cancel culture. You can have freedom of speech as long as it's something that we agree with. And so universities, which we find were once hotbeds of debate and have now been infected with cancel culture. Even in New Zealand, we've had our, a couple of our universities that have canceled speakers because there were people in the university that did not want to hear what they said because it was a different view than what they, they agreed. And there was a silence anyone, silence anyone that goes today, against today's culture. In the United Kingdom, we'll have people that are, that are arrested because they, they, they are street preaching. They're quoting from the Bible, they're street preaching, and so they end up uh, getting arrested because, because of that. 
in the United States, we have the Biden administration there, and they're setting up ways to take away the tax-free status of churches um, that oppose same-sex marriage and uh, refuse to marry same-sex couples on biblical grounds. You can believe that we take away your tax exemptions. They also want to take away the church's right to have freedom to employ who they wish to employ. And uh, if, you, if you don't open it up to anyone, then you lose your tax exemption. Fortunately, Pope Francis and the Vatican, uh, they came out and declared that the Catholic Church cannot bless same-sex marriages. So the government will pick on churches, individual churches, and try and shut them down. But when you get a powerful group like the Catholics that come out and make a stand like that, then they have to be a little bit more careful because there's a lot of votes out there that they represent, a large voting block. See, we don't need to be rude or offensive or put other people down. We, we respect everybody's belief and lifestyle, even if it's different than our beliefs and our lifestyle. But we do have to have confidence in our God. See, we live in a fallen and imperfect world full of fallen and imperfect people, and we are part of it. We are one of them. That includes us. So there are bound to be injustices around about us. But you know the thing that I've noticed? If you look at history, you will see that the nations that have had strong Christian values are the nations that have done more than anyone else to try to address the injustices that are in the world today. I don't think as Christians we need to hang our heads in shame and be silent on any of these issues. The church has been strong on all of these issues down through history. You look at any other nations and see whether they have a record that compares with nations that have Christian values. There's a group of about 50 conservatives MPs in the United Kingdom that have launched what they call a common sense book to take on wokeism and British culture war. And uh, that's a great title. They say woke campaigners have long used judicial interpretation as a cover for the suppression of speech and the encouragement of a sense of victimization and grievance culture. They say this. They say conservatives need to be the Samson of the 21st century. I love that statement, eh? We need to be the Samson of the 21st century, understanding that the two pillars holding up the temple of wokeness are the broadcast media and internet giants. Isn't that so true? They are leading the way in this cancel culture that we have around the world today. There it's now, in the UK, they're just passing laws now that uh, universities that try to cancel free speech on universities will face huge fines if they do that. The tide is turning. You know, you get to a stage where the world just gets sick of that stuff. It doesn't make sense. You know, God's values and principles are what makes sense in the world uh, today. And then the third thing, one was Azariah, Hebrew name means Yahweh, God has helped me. And they renamed him Abednego, servant of Nebo. They're trying to change the view. You know, your view of God, you're not a son of God, you're a slave of God. Trying to change the view. Nebo was one of the Babylonian gods of wisdom and agriculture and patron of scribes and schools. Isn't that the battlefield today? The schools, uh, the real battlefield of what's going on. See, edu education today has been captured by the liberal left. History has been rewritten. You know, so-called experts have become like modern-day gods, silencing any discussion on some of these subjects. Yeah, I kind of find that, you know, you look and so-called experts in life and common sense seem to be a long way apart. So, so different. When common culture shifts, you, you better know who you are. You better know your identity in Christ. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8 has said this, but Daniel resolved 
not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, but he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel resolved for himself. He didn't judge all the Babylonians. He didn't tell them that they're all going to hell and they're going to burn and they're going to fry or whatever. You know, he didn't do that. He just resolved not to defile himself. He asked permission, and you notice the courtesy in which he asked his master, a, non, a, a person that didn't worship the same God that he worshipped, but the courtesy that he asked him, but he had this resolute attitude not to defile himself. It's really interesting if you read a little bit over in the book of Daniel and you come uh, where Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king in chapter 4 and verse 8, and the queen of Babylonia in chapter 5 and verse 12, they both called Daniel by his real name, not by the name that they gave him. Really interesting. Babylonian culture never renamed him. And then the second thing is that culture will try to do to you, it will try to tame you. It'll try to tame you. It'll try and get you to compromise. It'll try to get you to think, well, it's okay because everybody is doing it. Government says it's okay, so it must be all right. And I'll do it because everyone else is doing it. Every time culture shifts, it will try to move you away from some of your convictions. See, your convictions may not necessarily be the same as my convictions. You know, I may value some things as really important. You know, for my father, his strong conviction was, you know, you don't play sport on Sunday, Sunday's their day of rest. I don't hold that same conviction that, that my father had. You know, our convictions may be different, but it's important, though, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak uh, to you. But when culture shifts, don't lose your convictions, you know? If you hold your, your convictions, what you find will happen is if you're a person of strong convictions, it will give you influence in life. I can remember a number of years ago when we uh, lost six students and a teacher in that terrible tragedy that we had in our school here. And uh, this place was swarming with media people, just cameras all over the place, the media personality. And hardened media people were really touched and moved by the godly character that was the, the culture that was in the school and in the church, the people that they came across. You know, I'm talking to John Campbell, and, and he had like tears in his eyes as, as we talked. There was something that people felt. If you have strong values, if you have strong, uh, strong culture, uh, it will give you influence. It will cause the people to be moved uh, in the uh, company of what you're with. Nebuchadnezzar, he had wanted Daniel and his friends to conform to the pattern of this world. And changing their name was one step towards that. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't be tamed by culture. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 9 says this. It says, Now God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid, my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Daniel says, test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables and water to 
drink. Eat vegetables to eat and water to drink. It's what we call the Daniel fast. Anyone here done the Daniel fast? Some in the front row here. <laughs> it's why Pastor Steve's often not well, you know. <laughs> this was something for Daniel, not for you, okay? All right. I haven't tried it myself, you can probably tell that, but anyway. Have you tried it, Rob? No way. See, when culture shifts, you will always be tested. There is always this moment of pressure that will come on you. Why? For the third one, it will try to claim you. Culture will try to claim you. Culture is always trying to claim you as though there's a battle for you. It's like, you know, culture's got one of your arms and it's trying to pull you in that direction and God's got the other and he's trying to pull you in the other direction and you are in the middle and you get to decide. You get the choice. You make the decision. You get the deciding vote on what is going to happen. There'll always be a moment when your faith will be tested. When culture shifts, never give in to pressure. Never give in to pressure. Verse 15, it says, At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and learning. And, God, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So God gave to them supernatural revelation. And it says that at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, and the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service, and every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Ten times better. God's ways are ten times better than anything else that this world may have to offer. Two questions to ask yourself. Will I change the world or will the world change me? Will I change the world or will the world change me? Will I reflect this world's culture or will I reflect God's culture? Will I set the culture or will I reflect the culture? We don't have to look like everybody else. Let me encourage you this morning, dare to be different. The second thing is, will my identity come from God or from the world? You know, what matters more to you? What people think or what God thinks? What matters the most? See, Daniel being taken to Babylon didn't make him a Babylonian. So you, you, you can take me to Babylon, but I won't be a Babylonian. I'll always be who I am. That was the attitude that Daniel had. didn't matter what the world says. It didn't matter what the latest cultural fancy. It didn't matter what was happening uh, around. It didn't matter, you know, you can change me. You can change my name. Yeah, you can give me a name that honors one of your gods rather than my God. But you can never make me forget who I am. See, don't let the devil convince you. Just because it was a temporary circumstance that you might be going through, don't let the devil, you know, get you to forget who you are. You, you may be going through, you know, just a, a tough time of sickness at the moment and, and you kind of think, well, you know, well, where is this good God? You know, this healing God, where is he? And, and you, you know, the devil's trying to get you to question your faith. You may be going through some tough financial time and, you know, where's this God that, that, that God wants to abundantly bless you and, and, and give to you all that you need, you know, and you're struggling, you, you know, it's like the devil's pulling on one side and and, and, you know, God and his word is pulling on the other side and, and you're beginning to question your faith in, in God. You know, look, the devil, you know, he may take your freedom. He may take your name. He may take your identity. 
but he won't take. You know, don't let him take the confidence you have in God of who you are. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're a great God. Lord, you have given to us your name. We carry your name, O oh God. We carry it with pride. Lord, we carry it with confidence. We carry it with assurance that you are 10 times better. It'll work out. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank Pastor Luke. What a great word. I love uh, what Pastor Luke said. Will you change the world or will you let the world change you? Powerful, isn't it? Hey, I want to take a moment right now. If I could ask you just to close your eyes and bow your heads. I just want to speak to uh, a group of people. Maybe you've come to church today and it's kind of your first time or maybe you've visited a few times before. Perhaps church is not a regular thing in your life. Maybe God is not a regular thing in your life, but there's something that you know today, and that's that you just need to know more, that you need to get to know this God character more. And we would love to be able to help you and introduce you to Him. See, God loves you, and He created you with a plan and a purpose in mind, and He wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you. The problem is, is that we often, so often, every single one of us in our lives, we turn our backs on Him. We try and do it on our own. We try and do it our way. We make mistakes. We mess up. The Bible calls it sin. And that sin, it separates us from a holy and righteous God. And it prevents us from being in a reconciled relationship with Him. But God didn't want that. See, He wants nothing more than to live in relationship with you. And so by His mercy and grace, He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and live a sinless life on earth and die a sinner's death so that he could pay the debt that you and I would do for our sin. He paid it all once for all, wiped it clean. You don't have to pay the debt anymore. He paid it, that debt of death. And I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with me. I'm gonna pray it out loud, but you can just pray it in your heart. Mean it with everything that you've got. Are you ready to pray? Dear Jesus, Thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. I choose your forgiveness today. Lord, would you come into my life? Would you make me brand new today? I turn from my old life and I turn to you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whether you're in the room today or watching online, I want to ask you just to do one thing for me with every head still bowed and every eye closed. I would love to know who I prayed for today. And so in just a few moments, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to be really brave. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front. All I'm going to ask you to do is just lift your hand so I can see it. I'll spot it. You can pop it straight back down. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. If you're watching online, there's a button you can push. It says, I raise my hand. One, two, three. Hands can go up. You're saying, Bex, would you count me in on that prayer? Awesome. I can see you online as well. Thank you. Yes, I see you over here. Yeah, online I see you. Over the side to my left, I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else, you're saying, Bex, would you count me in on that prayer? Yes, thank you. I see you. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you, God, for lives transformed for you. Lord, I thank you that you've set people free today. And God, we celebrate right now 
everything you have done in our lives. Come on, church, would you celebrate with us? Isn't God good? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.